All right. Well, we're going to jump right into the Word this morning. And uh, my message today is called Adjusting Your Trajectory. Last week, we talked about trajectory trajectory where are you heading and today we're going to talk about adjusting your trajectory now just in case you weren't here last week we're gonna just quickly do a uh we're gonna cover over a couple of points that we made last week as to what a trajectory is so if we put that first slide up i wrote an object can be a projectile traveling through space it can be a person's life traveling through time it can be a metaphor of a person's life traveling through time together with that we then put up uh, therefore the trajectory is the path taken by a projectile traveling through space or a person's life through, uh, traveling through time and next slide says, a trajectory is determined with a starting point and a precise definition in mind. For a rocket to reach the moon or for a spacecraft, a satellite to orbit successfully in space, every calculation has to be made so that the trajectory of that item is 100% correct. And to calculate that, you have to take into consideration opposing forces. For example, for a rocket to leave our atmosphere and to leave the, the gravitational pull, they say that a rocket has to sustain a speed of 25,000 miles an hour to break through the gravitational pull. That's pretty fast, isn't it? Okay, it isn't. I suppose that's the speed you do every day when you take off from a red light. <laughs> I feel like it sometimes in my car. <laughs> I have a little bit of a heavy foot. I got to lose weight in my foot in Jesus' name. <laughs> Just the foot, though. Uh, 25,000 miles an hour. Why? Because there are gravitational forces pulling against that thing and to break through. You know uh, <clears throat> that the satellites that they put in space are only 240 miles into space from here. That's not very far, is it? And so last week I gave you some statistics, so to speak, of how important trajectory is. For example, I gave you the illustration, if your trajectory, if this is your starting point, and you've determined a destination point, if it's only off by one degree. We found that in the distance of 100 yards, you'll be off by 5.2 feet. Now, that's not huge. If we're going 100 yards, you're off by 5.2 feet. But everything is relative. Because if you were building a building that was 100 yards long, when you get to the end of that destination, if you're off by 5.2 feet, you're not going to have a square building, are you? So everything is relative. But if we were aiming, so to speak, for the moon, we found that if we were off only one degree, 
by time you reach the moon, which is, you would be 4,169 miles off target. Wow. That is the equivalent of the diameter of the moon two times. So, in other words, you'd be two planets away. You'd be a whole nother world away from what your destination is. Listen, there is nothing more important than your Christian walk. There is nothing more important than your relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. And if you have never asked Jesus in your heart, friend, I want to tell you, there are a lot of paths that we walk in life, but the most important the path is the path where Jesus said, I am the way. Not a way. He said, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. And he became even more exclusive and said, no one can come to the Father but by me. Amen. Amen. If you have never asked Christ into your heart, you're here today as a guest, a visitor, the reality of this life as a starting point is obvious. I don't have to prove to you that you're here or that I'm here. But where's your destination going to be? What have you set your sights on? An excellent life here on earth? This life is the prelude of the real life. Our existence here is short. It's fleeting. The Bible says that in comparison to how God created us to be eternal beings, our life here on earth is like the grass. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. It's like a flower. It could be beautiful, but it doesn't last very long. Science has done everything it can to try to present and convey the concept that the Bible is antiquated. And yet, in the field of medicine and medical practice, science is hitting a brick wall, and that wall is the evidence that there is some kind of life after this life. They have had so many written, documented cases of people who passed away on the operating table and were able to give detailed accounts of what was being said in the operating room, even as far as details of what was up on the roof of the hospital. And they've later, in this particular case, a woman saw a red sneaker and they sent a nurse up there and out of curiosity, there was a red sneaker sitting on the top of the hospital building. But there are so many documented situations, so many cases that medical science is probing into the reality or the feasibility of life after death. You and I have a starting point. The best starting point in life is when we ask Jesus Christ into our heart. You see, life can go all over the place and life can get pretty messed up and every one of us, uh, especially if you've lived at least 20 years here in life, you can say, my goodness, life can get pretty messed up. Isn't that right? But most people have a trajectory that is only a short-term game, a short-term plan. 
the Bible wants us to live with the big picture in mind. And so my trajectory isn't just to get to heaven. By accepting Christ into my heart, my sins are forgiven. All the screwed up stuff in my life starts to get canceled out. The chains that had me bound, the things that are broken in me, start to break down under the name and the influence and the power of Jesus Christ when we invite him into our lives and surrender to him. I made a comment last week that so often we preach a gospel purely from the perspective of salvation. Now, salvation is absolutely important. It is the most single important thing in anybody's life. You must be born again. Jesus said it. You must be born again. You must have an experience where you accept Christ to be the God of the heavens who became flesh and died on a cross for your sins, for my sins. Salvation is coming to a place where we realize we're not the kingpin. But that's okay. There's someone bigger and better than us who understands us and can put us together and has promised to walk through life with us. How many of you have experienced that? Give me a yell out. Absolutely. I made the comment last week that too often we take the gospel and treat it purely, we, cons- we, you know, we make it concise and make it only about salvation. And the gospel of salvation will prepare you to exit life, but the gospel of the kingdom of God will prepare you to conquer life. We're here to conquer life. We're here to conquer the world. We're here to live victorious in Jesus' name. And we need to have our trajectory set at the right angle. Just like there are gravitational pulls. Uh, I told you that a rocket has got to reach 25,000 miles an hour to bust through and not have the gravitational pull yanking its chain. Well, when we ask Jesus Christ in our heart, It's like that 25,000 miles an hour. The Bible says we are translated. We are zapped out of the kingdom of darkness and taken into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now, they need special thrust engines, uh, you know, to thrust that rocket out of this atmosphere and out of that gravitational pull. They need something exceptionally powerful. I'm sure most of you have watched rockets taking off from NASA here in Florida. Well, we needed something phenomenally powerful and an explosive to take us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And God did that by sending his son to die on the cross. And Jesus literally went to the very, uh, you know, he went to the very home, the very stomping grounds of Satan and all of his homies, and he one by one took them on. In fact, he didn't take them on one by one. He took them on all together. And he, he obliterated the powers of darkness. And when you get born again, it's that explosive power that takes you, it jettisons you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. 
Now your trajectory is set. You're heading towards eternity. But as we are traveling, even as you travel out of this space, and as you're traveling, they say that you can get off trajectory. And so they, they uh, with spacecrafts and uh, um, satellites, when they want to create a docking of a space uh, center together with a craft that's bringing new cargo, they have to maneuver, they have to manipulate, they have to navigate. And I found it at, uh, absolutely fascinating to find out that there are tiny little rockets on the side of a spacecraft, and they're called attitude rockets. And they adjust the attitude, the pitch, the direction, and they give little bursts here and there to keep that craft on target. Remember, from here to the moon, you could be off target one degree, and you'll be two planets away from your uh, destination. And isn't it interesting? They're called attitude rockets. Uh, attitude has to do with pitch and aerodynamics and things like that. But nonetheless, I find it very interesting that it's our attitude that can get us one degree, two degrees, five degrees, ten degrees off of our intended trajectory and final destination. So I did something uh, today, and I have a short 20-second video that we're going to show of a, a, a spacecraft coming to the um, a space station in orbit right above us, and it's trying to dock. But what we're going to do is we just took a 20-second uh, uh, section of it, and you're going to see, and I'm going to use my laser pointer to point out, and you'll see where these tiny little engines are, and they just give little bursts to help adjust the attitude. How many of you think you know where I'm already going today with my message? All right, so we're going to turn the lights out, and we're going to let the video roll. Can you see it right there? How many of you can see that? <laughs> All right. I think Jade's not only going to bring the turkey for the young adults, I think he's playing me for a turkey right now. All right. <laughs> In just a moment, they're, they're getting it sorted out up there. In the meantime, follow the bouncing ball. <laughs> it's great when everything just comes on cue, right? For everybody watching via live streaming, hello. <laughs> How are we going there? Not yet? All right. Praise God. Love it? Yeah, yeah. Right now, I think the joke's on me. <laughs> Love it when a plan comes together. All right. Well, how many of you enjoyed that little 20-second clip? That was cool, wasn't it? Brilliant. All right. We may not be able to go there, so um, guys? Okay. So can you see the little spurts here? Watch this. See it? Let's turn out all the lights. 
and you're going to see spurts here, and you're going to see spurts up here. And so you have, a, in fact, that's an attitude rocket. That's an attitude rocket. There are several underneath here. And depending on what angle and what pitch the, uh, the spacecraft needs to move to, it will only shoot those rockets in that circular circumference that will help push the vehicle where it needs to go. Okay, thank you. Thank you, guys. Why don't you give the team up the back a big hand for putting that together? And believe it or not, now we just need lights. You think we could do that? They are definitely playing with me today. <laughs> All right, attitude rockets. I'm adjusting my attitude rockets right now. <laughs> Praise God. But in, in, in all honesty, there's a lot of fun here, but we're going to go to a scripture. Why is this relevant? 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. The Apostle Paul says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course... You fail the test. You know, <clears throat> we test ourselves to make sure that we're on mark, that the trajectory is correct. And it's important that we look into our lives and make sure that if we keep going in the direction that we're going, that we will hit the mark. Now, I'm going to read this Bible, uh, this scripture to you from another translation. It's called the Message Translation. How many of you have ever read the Message Translation? It, it's a more modern uh, translation. Not, it is not a word-for-word -word interpretation from the original Hebrew or the original Greek. So it, it's usable not for building doctrine as much as it's just, it makes good reading, it makes easier reading, and helps to paint a clear picture. So in the Message Bible, this is what Paul is saying. Test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. Wow. Hey, listen, you could get a brand new car, but if you don't bring that car to get regular checkups, to be serviced on a regular basis, it soon will give you the same problems of the old car that you got rid of so that you could have a new car so you wouldn't have any problems. There's no sense having a new car if you're not getting that thing tuned up, if you're not getting the oil changed, if you're not getting the filter changed, because life happens. Everything has a way of breaking down. And so while Jesus has jettisoned uh, us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, we want to make sure that we're testing ourselves and making sure that we are in the faith, that our attitude is right, that our goal has remained the same goal that we started out with. Now, why would that be important? Do you know that in one of the letters that God wrote or Jesus wrote, 
to his churches in the book of Revelation, he says, you started out great. You had great passion at the beginning, but you've lost some of that fire. He said, you've lost that first love. And so we want to make sure that all of our rockets are firing when it comes to the things of God. We want to make sure that the passion we had when we first asked Jesus in our heart is the passion that's still propelling us forward. Can I get an agreement? I want to share one last scripture with you. And you see how in the Message Bible it says, Test yourselves to make sure you're solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. I want you, that's, that, that's 2 Corinthians 13, but I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we've heard, so that we don't drift away. Let's go to the next verse. For since the message was spoken through angels, and it was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment. Next verse. How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Now here we have in Hebrews, the word of God is urging us to be careful that we don't drift away. Okay, verse 1. Can I have verse 1 up on the screen again? He says, we must pay the most careful attention Therefore, to what we've heard, so that we don't drift away. How many of you can agree with me that one degree off course can be a big deal? Absolutely. Amen. And so, this word drift, uh, we're going to put it up on the screen. Uh, the Greek word, parario, para, para, hurio, oh, I'm not even going to try it. Forget it. My tongue's not working with me today. How's that? It means to flow, to slip away, to glide past. To flow by, to slip away, to glide past. In the word, uh, Helps Word Study uh, Dictionary, you look at this word, look up the same reference number, 390, and para means from close beside, and real to flow or to drift. Properly, it means to float alongside, drifting past a destination because it's pushed along by another current or by a current. You see, it's important in this life that we make sure that our life is lining up with his life. The only way to stay on course, the only way to keep your tra trajectory on target is to make sure that the life you're living lines up with the Word of God. Let your life line up with Jesus Christ. You see, people could get offended when I preach, and they do sometimes. But I refuse to preach anything other than what the Word of God says. 
Even the topic of tithing can be a sore point with some people. But that's all right. I'm not called to be to win a beauty contest. You all know I wouldn't win that anyway. I'm not called to win the popularity contest. I am called to be the shepherd who leads the sheep and gets us to eat a healthy diet and to make sure that we are growing the way we need to grow. I'm going to be very honest with you. As I was preparing this message the other night, I went to lay down in bed and I'm thinking, God, I need a key scripture. And as I was closing my eyes, that passage that I read in Corinthians, the very first scripture that I read, test yourself to see if you're in the faith. And I hadn't read that scripture in ages. And I quickly opened up my computer, turned the lights on, and there it was. What do I believe God is saying? Church, I believe that God has been moving in this house. I believe that people are getting saved. We know that. People's lives are changing. Breakthroughs are happening. In great things, incredible things are happening. But I believe even greater things are about to happen. It's important to constantly check ourselves out in light of the Word of God. Are the things of God still a priority to you? Is the house of God coming together, winning your unsaved friends, is that still a priority? Living according to what the Word of God is calling you to do, is that still a priority? First and foremost, you must be born again. You must ask Jesus Christ in your heart. And then once we've done that, we've got to keep stirring up the fire of God in our hearts. You know, <laughs> sometimes we, we want God to stir us up. Do you know if God is worth it, God watch, watches to see if whether or not you'll make the effort to stir yourself up. Hello? Could you imagine a husband saying to his wife, here, <laughs> could you imagine Omar saying to Patrice, babe, you know I love you. But every once in a while, would you just remind me to tell you I love you? <laughs> hey, babe, every once in a while, would you just do something really special and extra nice so that I'll feel like I love you again? <laughs> that sounds like a nervous laugh, Omar. <laughs> now, would that work, Omar? Yeah, well, if you didn't answer, she's ready to answer. <laughs> and it's almost as if sometimes we, we expect that, God, you be the one to fire me up. And God says, no. Just like Patrice here, her attitude, without her saying a thing, I saw her attitude rockets going off here. And, and her, <laughs> her attitude is, if I'm worth it, I don't need to tell you. You'll be making the adjustments yourself. Why should our disposition be any less to the things of God? Can I get an agreement? Absolutely. We have to stir ourselves. We have to push ourselves. We have to motivate ourselves. 
we have to remind ourselves of the goodness of God and why it behooves me to let go of everything else and make sure I'm running after him. You know, from here to the moon, a lot of things can put a rocket off course. And from here to eternity, a lot of sideshows can take up our attention and catch our fascination and cause us to get off course. They're called attitude rockets for a reason. And I think it's a healthy thing. I think it's a wholesome thing. I think it's a wise thing to go to the Word of God and go to the Holy Spirit and make sure that you're living, we're living, the way we know the Word of God tells us to live. We don't have to be at home praying, okay, God, I'm going to go to church that I haven't been there for six weeks, and if you got something to say to me, you get Pastor Rob to say it. Could you imagine God thinking, wait a minute, I've already invested my Holy Spirit in you. You don't take time to pick up that word. I whisper to you. I talk to you. I bring opportunities across your path. You ignore me. And now you want to put me on the performance table that I have to jump and dance and get the man of God to say the one thing you need to hear so that your attitude towards me will be excellent. I'm not getting as many shouts and amens as I normally would. It's a lot quieter today. But you know, that doesn't put me off. Because I know that the Spirit of God put this on my heart. And I know what God's doing. And he's wanting to pull us all back to center. Amen. I believe that God's not done with us. God's barely scratched the surface with us. And there are explosive things ahead of us. But each and every one of us need to make sure that as we're moving forward, we're moving forward in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Can I get an agreement? Amen. Absolutely. Would you stand with me? What will get you off course? You know, you get a friendly visit from your best friend and they start sowing negative feelings. And we start second guessing. We start questioning. We start wondering. Things don't go the way we necessarily wanted them to go. And we start to get disappointed. We start to question God. We start to ask, God, where were you? There's a lot of things that can get us off target. Just the pull of materialism. You know, there's so much pressure in this life 
to pay our bills, and rightly so. But there's the water bill, there's the electricity bill, there's the mortgage. And then there's our appearance and trying to keep up our appearance and taking care of the car. And this breaks down and that breaks down. And we start to become caught up in a system that is designed to pull us away from our focus and attention being on the things of God. You see, when you study the New Testament in the Greek, it says that Satan is the God of this age, and he's the God of the world system. And in the Greek, it literally means that the system of this life, how things work, the pulls, the pressures, the tensions, he has woven all of that together. You've heard it said, I've heard it said, life can be a real rat race. There's so many pressures in life. And the God of this world, he's sharp. He's made some horrendous decisions, but he's cunning. And he uses this system to tug on us so that the things of God aren't the priority that they should be. He uses things that happen in life and sometimes things that happen in church to actually turn off some of our motivation, our, motor, our motors, our jets. He uses things to pull us away from the goal that we were passionately running towards. Jesus had to say to, yeah, Jesus had to say to one of his churches, you've lost that first love. Everyone look at me for a second. Everyone look at me for a second. Could you imagine what those words actually mean for God to have to say? You've lost your first love. You're actually loving something more than you're loving me. Every one of us knows what rejection feels like. Every one of us. We've all had it. <laughs> if you're more than 10 years old, you know what rejection is. And we know the the hurt, the sadness, the brokenness, the pain that the feelings of rejection have on us. And here's this God that we didn't want to know in the first place. We're all messed up. We're all broken. And he gives up everything to, to win us, to love us. Everybody else spanks us and throws us away and God says no I want you and then after he redeems us and works in our hearts we allow our attentions to stray I don't ever want to hear God say Rob you've lost your first love because that would mean I've made something more important than the one thing that is the most important thing in the world. And so I challenge everyone in this building. As God has put this series on my heart, I, I, I don't go to sermon.com 
to look for sermons. I could. A lot of churches, you know, they can prepare. They have, <laughs> I better not say too much. <laughs> you can have 12 months set up and organized in advance and use this analogy from this guy's sermon. And, and, and I'm not saying that's wrong. What I'm saying is week by week, month by month, I'm asking God, what do the sheep in this house need? And so, irrespective of whether this is one of the jump on the chairs and shout with pastor sermons, or this is a more sobering, quiet sermon, I will not be deterred, because I know what the Spirit of God has said in my heart. God is bringing this word. I'm not God. But God has spoken this word into my heart and into your ears today. Sometimes it could be your best friend who gets you off trajectory. Sometimes it could be your worst enemy who gets you off of trajectory. And I can't blame my best friend and I can't blame my worst enemy because I have to decide where my life is going. And we are held accountable for where our lives are going. God's done the incredible thing. He launched the rocket, took us out of the kingdom of darkness, and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. But you and I have to flick the switch on those attitude rockets and make sure that we're staying on target. As I close this morning, if you have never asked Jesus Christ in your heart, why not? Really, why not? I'm not talking about religion. I could give you a lot of reasons for not accepting religion. I'm talking about accepting Jesus Christ, the Son of God. There was a, a famous sports player in England, played cricket. This is about 60, 70 years ago, and he was very famous, very rich, very worldly, extremely popular, so popular that he was knighted. They knighted him. And he came to Jesus and he got saved. And he found this same Savior that you and I have known for the last few years. And God put such a pull in his heart. He called him to the mission field. He gave up all of his fame and comforts, went to a third world country. I believe it was uh, India. And he said, if Jesus Christ is God and he was willing to die for me then there's nothing too great for me to do for him what are we doing with so great a salvation are we loving God as passionately as we know we should are we hugging him and embracing him with everything that is in us or are we taking offense the few things that don't go the way we want them to go. 
Do you know when we get offended because things aren't happening the way we want, it's evidence that a spirit of control is in us and has more influence in us than we'd like to admit. Let's take our hands off and run after God with everything that is in us. Because the more offended I get that things don't go my way, the more I am saying I have to be in control. And if it doesn't go the way I want, I'm not going to like it. That's the same kind of selfishness and fleshly attitude that got us into sin in the first place. Can I get an amen? amen. How many of you woke up this morning? <laughs> I'm not trying to be rude. But usually after we've woken up, sometime after that, we walk into the bathroom and we start to groom ourselves. And at some point, hopefully, we look in the mirror. Some of us look in the mirror and say, I need all the help I can get. Some of us look in the mirror and say, ah, what a stud. But if you're wise, regardless of what your conclusion might be, you'll look in the mirror before you go out the door to make sure that you're looking right because we don't want to look wrong to the people we're going to come in contact with. Is that true? Right? I think we should be more concerned about not, about not looking wrong to Jesus. So let's adjust our trajectories. If there are attitudes, if there are priorities, if there are goals that are getting in the way, if there are things getting us crotchety and cranky about church, life, Christianity, come on. We need to put those forces under the blood of Jesus. Come on, church. You know, when we live by the Spirit, there's nothing in the flesh to get stirred up. And when the flesh is getting stirred up, it is the first evidence that we're not living in the Spirit. The Spirit of offense is the, one of the top two weapons the devil uses to destroy a Christian community. I'm not going to let the enemy put other people's issues or even my issues in front of my face. I'm going to take my hands off and say, God, your will be done. And yet will I rejoice in the Lord. So friend, if you have never asked Jesus in your heart, I'm not asking you to join this church. I'm asking you to join Jesus. Something's got to get you out of the gravitational pull of Satan and all of his demons. And there's only one rocket engine big enough to do that, and that's Jesus Christ. 
And then the Holy Spirit in you will continue to lead you and guide you. The Bible says that every one of us are broken. Every one of us are sinners. Every one of us made mistakes. Every one of us have done stuff. We either wish we never did or God wishes we never did. And they're both correct. If you've never asked Jesus in your heart or if you've walked away from the things of God, today is the time to say yes and come back to Christ. So right now, right where you're standing, if you want to ask Jesus in your heart, come on, put your hand up nice and high and say, I want to do that. I want to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. 